I just want us, each one of us, whatever is on your heart, whether it's healing, whether it is a concern for a family member, salvation for a family member, whatever it may be, think about that and let's just say the name of Jesus. Okay? So think about that right now. And now over that issue, over that problem, we proclaim Jesus. Jesus. So just speak his name right now before we go into that bridge again. Jesus. Jesus, you are the answer. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life, Jesus. And whatever the circumstance may be, Father, we speak the holy name of Jesus. We speak the holy name of Jesus. See, it's easy to sing this song. But we have to put it into practice and proclaim the name of Jesus in the darkness and proclaim the name of Jesus over all of these situations in our lives and for salvation for our families and for the growth of this church and what he wants to do in this place. We proclaim Jesus and Jesus alone.
Amen. Today is yours, Lord. There is no other day like it. We've come to worship you. You know, through the centuries, God's people gathered to hear teaching, to worship you, to break bread, to be in fellowship together, Lord. We continue that tradition, and that is a good tradition. Thank you, Father, that we're here today. May your word, may everything that's said bring pleasure to you. God, may after we leave here, may we be the missionary that touches our field wherever you place us. This new year brings new things, but I pray that it continues to bring your presence in your house, and we take your presence with us wherever we go as your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Great set today. Thank you. Wonderful. Man, wonderful. Thank you. Every time I'm here... I feel that a few things occur, which is very good. Number one, I feel love in this house. It's hard to replicate that. Uh, you go into a lot of churches, and it's like uh, they give off a scent. And that scent is not good. Uh, but we have an incredible presence here. I, I, it's, just, it's not just because of worship, or it's not just because of people. It's a combination of a lot of things. You have years together. God's given you that. But there's a there's a unique love here. You've treated me like family, which is so rare for a new guy to come in and feel that. Thank you. My wife and I just can't thank you enough that you've made it easy for us to be here. Uh, the other thing I'll say is I feel like there's God is doing something in our midst. And a lot of people this news say that because I'm here, the, the roof's going to come off. And, you know, that's not it. It's just I feel like that God is doing something here. I felt that every conversation I've had with you and when I've talked to you, that there's a rumbling and it's good. I'm going to give you a precursor next week. Uh, we're going to take photos of you. Don't be afraid. Uh, and I'm going to have cards for information that you fill out. I won't use that photo in a directory, but I'll use that photo because as your pastor, I'm going to use that photo and put that on a flip card and pray for you daily. I'm just going to flip your photo over and pray for you on a daily basis. Because I believe God works through prayer. We can do everything we can do. You can have the slickest worship service. The pastor can see, preach, the, preach the best message he's ever preached. But if, God, if prayer doesn't bathe the house, we're in trouble. If prayer, isn't one of the, if prayer isn't the foundation of where we go. So I want to start praying for you, praying for your families. If you have prayer requests, you want to hand them to me or turn them in. We are going to be a house of prayer. Because I know as we pray, we depend on God. And as we depend on God, God does stuff. That's a big theological word, but we'll use that today. So uh, next week, we're going to do that. We'll have some cards for you to fill out. Next year's messages, I'm just going to give you a quick. You can turn to Mark, the third chapter, if you want to. Uh, we'll be in Mark 3 and Matthew 28 today. But next year, I'm going to do a message starting next week on what I feel like is the greatest message that has ever been given the greatest they call it the greatest speech the greatest magna carta we're going to go on the sermon on the mount for a few months because i believe it's the foundation for christianity and it's the foundation you talked about this morning glenda it's the foundation for the kingdom of god if anybody new christian wants to know what jesus taught that is the crux of what jesus taught it's in matthew 3 luke also talks about the sermon on the mount we're going to go from the matthew rendition of that the second thing we're going to do, we're going to get into the summer, probably we'll do a series on the Ten Commandments, because I believe Old New Testament, I believe you can go through any law of any country, and there's probably the foundation is really the Ten Commandments. It really is. It's the foundation. Whether we want to deny that or not, it's the foundation of our justice system in this country. Uh, and then we're going to talk at the end of the year about gifts and where God wants us in his body. I believe everyone. Whether how small or insignificant you might feel, you have a gift in the place in the body of Christ and God wants to use you. Amen? I believe that. I believe everyone has a place. Wednesday nights, it's going to be difficult. I can honestly say I've done this, but it's been a while. I'm going to go through the Bible this year, book by book, on Wednesday nights. 
Uh, it'll be a book a week except this Wednesday. I told Glenda, come and pray for me because the hardest book to dissect and the hardest chapters in the Bible, you'll get more controversy, more pain, more arguments. I've been on campus. I have debated with rabbis, with witches. I've been in open air meetings. You, I don't want to take you there, but I have done some heavy debates on campus. We always come back to creation, evolution, who's Adam, who's Eve, where did Cain come from, what about those giants in Genesis 6? You'll get all these things that come up. Genesis 1 through 11 is difficult. I have said among the greatest Old Testament scholars, conservative scholars in America, and I'm telling you what, they struggle with it. So pray for me this Wednesday night. We're going to go through Genesis 1 through 11. We're going to start there. We'll go through the rest of the book of Genesis, and then we'll take Exodus, Leviticus, and we'll go through the Bible. I want to do that. If you want to learn with me, we're going to learn together. I, I think it's a great approach to go through the Bible book by book. We're going to do that on Wednesday nights. It should be a joy. Um, I want to say this about growing a church. We've grown a few. I'm not 15. We've grown a few. We've done this before. Uh, I'm not concerned about numbers in this church. I know God wrote a book called Numbers. I know he likes that. But uh, I'm concerned more with growing people. Because if you don't grow people, you don't grow a church. So my first obligation is to the family and to you. There will be new people that come. There will be new families that come. We will disciple them. I'll talk about that this morning. We will train them. But I want to say this. You need to take care of what God brings you. A lot of people want a lot of people, then they come in and out. This will not be a revolving door. I remember a conversation I had with a pastor. Uh, I will not mention his name because you might know him. But it's a large church in another town. And I remember we're sitting down talking, and he said, man, they're running 5,000 at the time. And that's probably more than most churches get lost in their restrooms. I mean, you know, I mean, we get, you know, that's 5,000 is a lot of people. So he said one thing to me and it shocked me. He said, you know what? We just don't have this discipleship thing down. And I went, what? I was shocked. I went, man, man, great worship service. He's an incredible communicator. And I'm going, you, you don't have what down? Because that's really the only thing you need to have down before anything else goes. Amen? We need to be discipling people. And I want to talk about that this morning. Uh, I talk to my daughter all the time about our foundation. We have a foundation for urban youth. We teach leadership development, uh, financial literacy, and we do employment for kids in the urban core here and in Oklahoma City and Wichita. And I tell my daughter all the time, have a plan B. If that teacher doesn't work out... If the last few days we hire teachers to do our teaching for us, if she doesn't work out or he doesn't work out, have another person you look at. Had some, they call it in the business world bench strength. Have some people on the bench. And I will say this much. As far as strategy, Jesus had one. My title this morning is No Plan B. Because I don't see Jesus in the Word of God having Plan B. Only Plan A. And this is Plan A. Mark 3, if you want to turn there, you want to look, I'll read it from the board. Jesus went on, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. And he appointed 12 that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach, and to have authority to drive out demons. Let's go to Matthew 28. Beginning of Jesus' ministry, calls the 12, and remember, the twelve are here when he ascends. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. It's a great commission, not the great suggestion. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very ends of the age. Would you go back to Matthew, Mark 3, 3 again? I'll show you something. And he went on the mountainside and called to them he wanted and they came to him. One version said that they might be with him. That talks about Jesus having relationship. Let's go to the next verse. And he appointed 12 that they might be with him. 
That's relationship. And what does he want them to do? He sent them out that they might preach. They are not only in relationship with him as they're preaching, they're doing what? Going out there representing him. And number three, and I have, I am to have authority to drive out demons. So they have relationship with him. They're representing him and they have authority. Let's go to Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He's giving those, those men authority also. In Acts 2, we see them full of the Holy Spirit and power. They are empowered and they go out and preach the gospel. Correct? So let's go to verse 19. Therefore, go. What does he want? That He wants them to represent him by making disciples. The emphasis isn't on go. It's going and making disciples. Of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I've commanded. You represent me by baptizing and teaching what I say, and I, you will represent me, and I will, I will be in relationship with you, and though I am with you always to the ends of the age. See, three corresponding things that Jesus does in those passages, that they might be with him. So he calls them to be with him, that they might preach or go out and teach and baptize, that they might represent him. And number three, that they have authority. I'm not going to go very long today, but I want to say this. I believe that relationship is the venue where influence flows. If there's no relationship, there is no influence. That's why Lisa can stand up here and sing, and these people aren't out of tune, not because you come and practice. You don't practice five times in the week. You guys have done this so much, you probably know when each other blinks. I mean, you know, you guys, seriously, you guys are in tune. These gals know, and you know, you're playing the drum. You're not, you know, you guys, you guys just are in sync. It's because they've done it for a while. When I come into this church, it was quite evident that... Uh, last week that, I, I don't know if you understand this, but there are people that are related in this church. Man, that was like, let's take half the church and take a photograph. That was pretty, that was pretty eye-opening. Don't gossip about people in this place, especially over there, because they'll hear you from over there. Great acoustics. Uh, don't do that. Don't gossip in this church. My wife and I are keeping our mouth shut. We love you all. Uh, so... <laughs> But understand that relationship is how the, the foundation of the kingdom of God. If you'll read everything in the New Testament, and I challenge you. BJ, thanks for coming today. Good to see you. I, I want to be very, very nice to you because you are big, brother. Uh, I want to be nice to you. I do not want to be on the receiving end of your tackles. Anyway, um, when Jesus does this in the word of God, you can check this out. Read every passage in the New Testament. It's all we have. We don't have Matthew 8, teen book, or Paul 25, or the book of Thomas, like the, or the book of Enoch, or all these apocrypha books, or pseudepigrapha books. We'll get into that later, but I'm saying, we don't have all the extra. This is what God gave us. God gave us four examples and four views of him. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the lens that we look at. That is called the inspiration of scripture that God gave us. That's his revelation. That's what we have. If you'll read those four books, you will see that Jesus spent 80% of his time with 12 people. He said, I got plan A. I'm going to let the shoulders of Christianity rest on these 12 Why? And he missed with one. Judas. So he said, I'm going to let the shoulders of Christianity rest on these 12 men. I'm going to teach them. I'm going to be with them. They're going to fail. They're going to get mad. They're going to walk away from me. They're going to come back. They're going to go to Jerusalem. They're going to be empowered with the Holy Spirit. They're going to lead the early church. And then I'm going to save another guy named Paul, and he's going to take it to the Gentiles. But you have to understand, Jesus put a lot of his time into these 12 men. Why? Relationship was important to Jesus. Relationship needs to be important to us. Amen? When new people come in this church, we want to disciple them. What does a disciple mean? It means they are a learner by attachment. Disciples attach themselves to Jesus. That's the pure thing. When Jesus said, disciple, go and make disciples, he was saying, go make people and attach them to me. I don't want to attach people to us. I want to attach them to Jesus. Amen? 
So Jesus said, have relationship. Jesus has relationship with them. And then he says to them, go represent me. Um, I, I just can't share with you enough how it is hard in this day and age and what we live and what we have to navigate to represent Jesus. And you were talking about high V and, uh, Wendy was there a couple weeks ago and Karen, one of the workers there, we knew everybody there cause we shopped there way too much. But, uh, so Wendy walks in and Karen, we start talking to Karen. She has cancer. She says she's got cancer. And Wendy said, can I pray with you? And I'm going, what are you doing? You know, and she went, what are you doing? She looked at me like, you're the preacher. What are you talking about? So, so Wendy takes Karen's hand right there in high V and says, I mean, there are people walking down the aisles. I don't know if we were in the can or in the meat. I don't know. But she just takes her hand and says, in the name of Jesus, Karen, I pray that God heals you. Karen came back with a pretty good report two weeks later after this. But I'm saying... You just don't have to pray for healing in church. We can do it at the gas station. We can represent Jesus everywhere. That's what a true disciple does. Amen, church? We represent Jesus everywhere. So he gave them power. He gave them the authority to represent him. We have the spirit of God in us to represent him. So, and the spirit to even drive out demons. How many of you have ever been part of anything like that? Sarah, first time for me, 22 years old, and I was at a large church as their youth pastor. About 1,500, we had about 150 kids in the youth group, big youth group, and I, uh, I was just being the youth pastor. And uh, one day, the ladies had a prayer meeting every Tuesday, and they were Holy Ghost, man, these girls would get after it. You could hear them, you could walk down the hall, and they were praying for everyone in the church, and they are just little Holy Ghost ladies. They're just, you know, they're going after it. So uh, they were in the prayer room, and they came out, and uh, I'm the children's pastor for talking. I had, I think that was Tuesday, so I, every person on the staff had to take hospital visits. So large church, you're going to have someone in the hospital usually, so I took Tuesdays. So I was getting ready to go to the hospital to visit people. Pastor required everyone on staff to take a day. So they said, come in, come in. And I went, I've got to go. I've got to go. And they said, no, come in. We need your help. So I walk in. This little girl was, her head was back. And I walked in the room and she looked at me and she went, Bill, like that. And I went, I don't know you. But Satan knows you. What God can anoint, Satan can anoint. We need to be very careful in our life to make sure we're living for God and living right. Hear me, church? Hear me. So I went, I, you know, fear immediately grips you, and then you think, God, we've got your power. So we started praying for this girl. Her history was that her mother had been in witchcraft for years, raised her in witchcraft. So this girl wasn't demon-obsessed. She wasn't psychiatry-bound. She was full of demons. And there are people in America that are demon-possessed, folks. They're not obsessed. It's not a game. They're not psychologically bad. They're just full of the devil. And they are praying. I remember a scream that came out of that girl. I have never heard a shriek like that in my life. And all of a sudden, she goes limp. She sets up. Her eyes are clear. And she just looks at us and she says, thank you. Thank you. And we prayed with her, and it's, her story was an incredible story of how God frees us. But what I'm saying that to say this, God gives us as his representatives the authority to go and do things for him. Amen? Amen, church? We have God's authority, and sometimes we forget that. We think we live in a society. Now, Satan masks himself very well in today, but understand that God not only wants us to have relationship with him and represent him, but God has given us the authority to go in his name and do things in his name. Amen. And I'm not praying you find a demon at work this week, and I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, I do believe this. 
I do believe God gives people and puts them in situations where he knows that they'll have the ability to take care of it. I, don't believe, I, I do believe God doesn't put you in situations where you can't handle. Because the Bible is clear about never tempting us above what we're able. I believe God puts you in situations and prep you. I was ready for that situation as I walked in. You know, you realize you're ready, but the immediate shock of that, you don't know if you're ready or not. But God allows you and gives you the ability. He never calls us to a broom. He, room. He doesn't give us a broom big enough to sweep it out. I can promise you that. God's able. I, uh, I want to talk about relationship with people just for a minute, and then I'm going to talk about some other things. We were at Oklahoma State University. The reason I'm telling you stories is I think you need to understand that I believe God can do anything at any time. So I'm preaching at Oklahoma State, and there's some boys that brought a young man in. Uh, we probably we weren't we probably only had 40, 30 there that night. We were young. It was our first year, second year there. And a young man came in, and I just said, God can do anything, students. And I just was preaching. Right? So after service, there's always the one waiting for you. So I'm going, what does this kid want? He's an engineer, brilliant mind, brilliant mind. Works for Tinker Air Force Base today. He's a brilliant kid. And uh, he came up to me, and he said, hey, I want to tell you something. I don't believe a thing you said. I said, well, it's okay. I went, what do you mean? I said, well, you believe whatever you want. It doesn't mean it's not true, but you can believe whatever you want. I believe I have truth. He said, that's pretty arrogant. I said, I still believe I have truth. Just get mad at Jesus because he said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. I didn't say that. He did. And I just believe what he said. And he said, I'm going to tell you what. You said God can do anything? Yeah. He said, "My (laughs) my dad is the tightest wad in America. And I got to work and pay for my own schooling. I said, what's wrong with that? I did the same thing. He said, if you're God's God, I want to go home over break, and I want my dad to come up to me and say he's going to pay for the rest of my college. I said, I don't think God's going to do that. He said, if God's God, he'll do it. Two weeks came by. He's standing back waiting for me after service. Head hung low. What's wrong? He said, "Uh, I'm going to accept your God. What do you mean? My dad came up to me and said, he's going to pay for my <laughs> And I went, thank you. you know what I mean, it's just like you put God to the test and God will show up. Amen. Mike became one of our small group leaders, married Chris to the rest of his history. They have kids. And I'm going to talk about discipleship just for a minute. So 10 years ago, I was in Oklahoma City and Mike said, I want you to meet somebody. So in walks this young man, and this young guy said, hey, I'm involved in Chi Alpha, or the mystery, at Oklahoma State University, and just, I heard you were used to be campus pastor. I said, I did. And he said, Mike's my dad, and I want to thank you for pouring your life into him, because he poured his life into me, and now I'm back on campus pouring my life into other people. That's full circle, amen? God can do things like that, folks. That's why there's, that's why your son's here. That's why you're... One of these days, who knows, your son might be here. But I'm saying, you know, I'm saying God, don't, don't think, anyway. But uh, I'm saying that God can do things. God wants discipleship to be transgenerational. This church is proof of that. You have family upon family members of family. Kids and grandkids are here because somebody did their job and we're going to keep doing our job. Amen? Amen. Amen. We should know when people come in this church, they should know why we're here. We're here to build up each other, to grow, to rejoice, to learn, to cry, to pray together. That's relationship. Why we give. Why do we pass an offering place? Isn't that senseless? We do it because it's an act of worship. And giving destroys the spirit in America that says, I own everything and everything mine. No, it's not. Everything's God's. Amen. And we teach people that the materialistic that prevails in our nation today has to die. And we do that by two ways, by giving and have a spearing of missions that we send people around the world to tell them we believe in Jesus. Well, why do we read the word in God and study? Because it's God's word. It's God's revelation to us. It's not, by, it's not just by law, but it's by spirit. It's God breathed in his word and inspired it to man. That comes to us. We believe in the word of God in this church. Why do we study it? First Peter 3.15. You want to give an answer to people that ask you. We need to know the word of God. So if people ask us, we need to know how to answer. Read the word of God. Study the word of God. Why do we use our gifts in this church? Because if you don't use your gift, 
you are crippling and hampering the body of Christ. Because all of us have gifts we use together. She wasn't here today, so who taught? You did. That was your gift. You did a great job today. Thank you for using your gift. Thank you for using your gift. Thank you for being on the drums and mowing the grass and doing everything else around here, Harold. I mean, you know, Harold's got a lot of gifts. But I'm saying that we do that because it's a glove. We are the body of Christ together, not separate. Amen? We tell, that's okay, Glenda. I, I, I got, I got one person's here. We're good. Uh, when we, when we tell the story of Jesus and live a life to show that story, all of life is to know God and to share with people what we know. I'm going to say that again. All of life, I didn't say that. J.I. Packard said that, a famous theologian. All of life is to know God and to share with people what we know. When was the last time? Now, I know we show it every day by the way we live. If people can't see Jesus by the way you live, then you might need to correct your living. But when we do get a chance to verbalize Jesus, when was the last time you told someone about Jesus? You don't have to say anything. We don't have to do anything. But when's the last time you verbally talked about the story of Jesus? You see, this is our church. This is our burden. Everyone ought to disciple somebody. I pray, my prayer is this. That we have young gals come to this church. And our worship director disciples them in worship. I do. I pray we have young men come to this church. And the older men of this church teach them how to have a good marriage. Teach them how to love God. Teach them how to have a family. I pray that we have young men at this church can see you guys serving God and know that, you know, sometimes I, I know we, we're, we're bad about this in America. We segregate the church. We have children's church and, and youth and we have everything and nobody sets together. But it's good that young people see older men serving God. It's good that grandmothers let children see them serving God and say, Jesus, just it isn't a one season Jesus. He's a Jesus for the seasons of life. That we see that. That young men come and young women come and that we disciple our children and those children disciple other children. I want to have a great year and I think we will. But the reason I spoke this message is because I believe Jesus' plan is for us to disciple And I can say this much to you. When new people come in this church, we will do our best to teach them the ways of Jesus. Because it is the only way. It is the only way. I'm going to do something very unique today. I spoke for 28 minutes. Okay, we're good. I was watching. I'm going to do something very different today. I want you to stand and I want to hold hands around the church today to close. I know that's very unusual. I won't, I won't ask it again, but I'm going to ask it today. Let's make a circle. Because this is our family. Come on off the board, bud. Let's go. Let's go, you guys. I'm glad. I'm glad. Because this is... This is, this is